is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 486, recorded on Thursday, May the 7th, 2020. Welcome to the program, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. Jason, I hope you're doing well. How, how's it going? Marginally good. And yourself? Marginally good. I'm, I'm doing all right, I suppose. Good. It's Thursday night. I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow being Friday and then rolling into the weekend because I'm taking Monday off. So I have a, Are you? a, I have a three-day weekend coming up, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, with everything going on, an extra day off feels right right now for me. And the reason I'm taking it off is because it's Izzy's birthday next week. And so oh, nice. we decided she can't have a birthday party this year because that's not something you can do right now. And so I'm taking the day off so that we can all hang around together and play some games, watch some movies, you know, just spend the day. That sounds lovely. I know. That sounds great. Yeah. Her, her actual birthday is Tuesday, not Monday, but I, I preferred to create the three-day weekend with the birthday day off. So we're going to have like a two-day celebration at home. Yeah. And then Tuesday, you can spend the day uh, working and saying, don't talk to me. I'm working. Daddy's working. <laughs> I'm busy. Go upstairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Happy birthday. Go away. Right. Perfect. It's exactly what I plan to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hope, hopefully everyone else out there is, is still doing things. Around here where we live, Jason, there appears to be the faintest, maybe light at the end of the tunnel because we are at a stage now where our government is just starting to reopen a few things. Now, I really, really very much hope that this is the right decision and that this is not premature. I know personally, I will likely err on the side of caution and not go too wild and crazy with the going out and the seeing people and stuff like that. But at least it's something. And I'm, I am feeling good that, you know, the people in charge who are supposed to be the experts know what they're doing. And they feel that this is appropriate. Yeah. And I'm sure that it isn't necessarily premature. I don't know what, uh, I haven't really been paying attention, so I don't know what is, has been opened yet or planning to be opened this weekend. Mm -hmm. Other than I got a notification from my local mastermind saying, we're going to start offering curbside pickup as of this weekend. Yeah. So. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's like retail stores slowly starting to open up. What's going on? So as of this weekend, they are allowing certain types of businesses to actually reopen and allow customers into the stores. That's like hardware stores and garden centers and things like that. Right. So you're, you can, you can go to Home Depot now, uh, you can go to Home Hardware, whatever. Um, and any store that has a door to the street, like a street front access can reopen for curbside pickup. Nobody's going in the stores yet, but if you can order something on the phone or online, you can come by to pick it up. So it's a step in the right direction. Um, uh, there might be some other things happening too. I know liquor stores in Ontario have re-extended their hours to be open later again, um, but that's that's basically what's happening. So that's why your mastermind, right. which is a which is basically a toy store here in Canada, will be allowing curbside pickup because now they can sell stuff to you if you call them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think it's necessarily premature. I just think we need to really take it slowly and mm -hmm. test the waters and see if it causes a spike. And it probably will at some point. 
Uh, but hopefully it's not as big as the last one and won't shut things down for as long. Uh, but it's going to be, we're, we're basically going to be in a wave. It's going to go down. It's going to come up. Uh, the amount of cases are going to go down and then it's going to increase and it's going to go down. It's going to increase yep. and it'll probably continue on like that for the rest of our lives. Oh, good times. Yeah. That's uh, kind of sad to think about, but my point is, you know, it's seems to be on the right track around here. I hope wherever you are listening from, dear listener, it is the same case because I am ready for this to be behind us in some way anyways. Yeah. I just, I really, really think that, uh, as, as a family, we need daycares to reopen. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't need them reopen right now. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I, what we need is for the conditions to be right where they can reopen. Correct. Yes, exactly. But I can understand your, uh, your point of view being, uh, at home with a, Toddler, well, he's a little more than a toddler now, but he's, he's yeah. definitely needs some, some daycare, especially when both of you are trying to work at home. So, well, it's not necessarily, I, I think more for him than for us. I mean, for us, it's a bit of a challenge, but he really needs to play with other kids. Like, it's, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, he hasn't had a chance to really interact with other kids other than waving at them from the street. Right. And it's uh, a huge, for a while. it's a huge part of kids' development, right? Like socializing absolutely. with other children and, even other adults who aren't their parents, like it's, it's a huge part. I've always thought that's a really big part of, of growing up at that age too. So you're absolutely yeah, right. Which is, he needs it. It's it, for me, it's 90% of the reason why we put him in daycare. Mm -hmm. uh, for Jenny, it's, you know, she would keep him home if she could, uh, if we both didn't have to work. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, having other kids to play with, especially doesn't, since he doesn't have any brothers or sisters, uh, that uh, he is able to play with other kids his age and stuff like that on a regular basis. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hope we're going in the right direction here. Um, but it feels like maybe we are. Let's hope. All right. Today on the podcast, everyone, we are going to talk about a film called One Cut of the Dead. Uh, but before that, we do actually have a little bit of Walking Dead news to go over. So again, we are not completely free of Walking Dead content this week. And before we get into that, I do want to acknowledge a day of the year. Now, I'm, cool. che I'm cheating a little bit on this one, Jason, because I looked up today, May the 7th, and it is a lame day for celebrations. <laughs> so I decided to break the rules a bit and go with something that is actually tomorrow, May the 8th, which I thought you might appreciate because it gives you a little bit of time to prepare your celebrations for it. It does. Right. Uh, and that is that tomorrow, May the 8th, is World Donkey Day. Oh, good. Right? From daysoftheyear.com, World Donkey Day is a show of respect for one of the most enduring and respectable animals in the Aquadae family. I think that's how that, what that is. Well, Th four, four hoofed. Okay, sure. Throughout history. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know either. E-Q-U-I-D-A-E. Equine. Oh, equine. Okay, it means horse in Latin. E equine, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, got it. Equine day, I don't know. Throughout history, it has served throughout the world as both a mount and a beast of burden in some of the most challenging terrains and forbidding climates, and has done so with pride and endurance. It's unsurprising that these beasts' success is due in part to their stubborn nature, and World Donkey Day honors them for this, along with their other, perhaps more laughable traits. <laughs> yes. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. <laughs> so, uh, World Donkey Day, everyone. Congratulations to the, the donkey 
And if you happen to own a donkey, because I don't know, you're a farmer or for some other reason, uh, go, pet, go pet your donkey today. Yeah, farmer, prospector. I mean, uh, can we call it the, uh, the International Day of the Ass? Can we do that? I, I don't see why not. And I'm probably okay. surprised, wouldn't be surprised if that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you if you know of a donkey, have a donkey, or love a donkey, tomorrow's the day to celebrate that. Very good. Congratulations. All right. Let's get into the news. After all that, I think it's about time. The Walking Dead News. All right. A few things. Actually, just a couple here. The first news item, Jason, is more or less an update on the various shows, TV shows that exist in the Walking Dead universe. And these, I have two quotes here, and one comes from the AMC chief operating officer, Ed Carroll. And he said, we moved the Walking Dead world beyond back into the fourth quarter. So we are finishing post-production on that. That will be set to go. And we anticipate having some episodes of Fear the Walking Dead season six in the second half of this year as well. So just real quick, uh, World Beyond will be premiering in the fourth quarter. So that's, you know, fall, late fall, early winter, I would say. Well, it's still October, right? Fourth quarter, October, November, December. Oh, that's true. I suppose it could be October. So yeah, fall for sure. Um, and Fear the Walking Dead as well. He says second half of this year. I don't know if that means it could be as early as like August, but... I'd be surprised considering they're not even done shooting it yet and they had to completely shut down. World Beyond is done and it's ready to go. It is in the can. So they, in theory, could broadcast that anytime, I think. Um, right. it, not all of the episodes might be done post-production, but as far as I understand, they're all done filming. So that's when we can expect those. It, it also raises the question for me, though, if they are finishing post-production on world beyond at this point mm -hmm. why can't they finish post-production on the walking dead season uh episode 16 i don't know yeah I mean, there's probably some kind of logistical challenge that uh the walking dead has that the world beyond doesn't i don't I'm, know i mean they were they were just a few weeks away from delivering the episode uh and you would think there wouldn't be that much left to do because from what I understand, episodes are delivered, the finished episode is delivered two to three weeks before the air date. Um, I guess that gives them a little bit of time to fix anything that would be noticed at the last second, you know, just in case. Um, but we weren't that far away from, they, from that point when they announced that it was postponing. And the reason was, we aren't able to finish post-production because we had to send everybody home. Sounded like an ex a, a really valid reason at the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if they're continuing to work on World Beyond post-production, I'm not sure why they can't finish Walking Dead for us and get that on our TVs. Well, maybe something about uh, that particular TV show can be done on a laptop by some schmo at home, whereas uh, The Walking Dead needs uh, something that uh, can't be done at home. I mean. I could see that if it was really intense special effects or something. And, and sure, yeah, maybe the special effects are much more intense on Walking Dead. I would not deny that. Maybe there was a reshoot they had to do that uh, they couldn't get in before they shut everything down. 
I suppose. I mean, they might not admit to that. You never or know. Or voiceover. True. Or you know, or some you know, ADR something. Just something that need needed some time in the studio. Okay. Uh, I I mean, I guess we'll have to go with something like that because if if it is things that could all be done without congregating in a studio or in you know an editing suite somewhere, I would think they could continue work uh, and get her done. But. I have to trust them and uh, figure that that is not the case, but it just raised the question for me. In either case, though, we don't know when Walking Dead season, or keep saying season, episode 16 is going to air. Forbes has speculated, though, that it could air as soon as late May or early to mid-June. Um, I feel like that's a little uh, optimistic, but I would love it if it did because I'm anxious to see it. Did they cite their sources or they're just kind of speculating, you know, pulling it right directly out of their own asses. I believe they're pulling it out of their asses. And I think the Forbes speculation is based on the fact that again, things are slowly starting to reopen. So they think if they can get back in a studio in the next couple of weeks, finish it off, then maybe they could have it on TV sort of mid June. Right. Well, that would be nice, but you know, some, I don't know. I don't believe them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure I do either at this point. But anyways, we're still waiting, waiting for more information. And I do hope AMC gives us uh, something to go on, you know, soon. Because that way we can all look forward to it and get on with the rest of our lives. Yeah, or maybe somebody leaked it to Forbes. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Greg Nicotero, you know him. He's special effects master, director, and producer of The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. He was asked about the Rick Grimes movies, and he said, what I understand from Mr. Gimple, the script is well underway. I've looked at a couple of early drafts, but I haven't seen anything lately. But, but from what I understand, they're digging away at it. One thing that is, uh, that this kind of situation is people can work from home. You know, writers, they're able to take yeah. <laughs> advantage of this time. <laughs> So that's not all that encouraging that, again, they're still working on the script. I think we already knew that uh, there was script problems, there were rewrites. We had heard rumors that an original script got completely rejected, so they're continuing right. to work on it, which is why we haven't really heard anything about these Rick movies. But Greg Nicotero says that that's what's happening. They're working on the script still, and, you know... <laughs> I don't mean to make light of anything, but maybe the pandemic that hit was, you know, a silver lining for these guys who were struggling to get this script out because they bought them some more time. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I think maybe it depends on the writing style of who's writing it because, you know, having a bunch of writers in a room is invaluable. You know, getting a bunch of writers on a phone call is challenging. Uh-huh. Uh, so even getting them on like a Skype call or a Zoom call as the kids do these days, uh, it, it would be better. But I still think there's there's something to be said about uh, having a bunch of people in a room. Absolutely, uh, you know, eating the same garbage food and uh, you know breathing the same air and smelling Johnny who forgot to shower after running a marathon yesterday in the mud. <laughs> Damn Johnny! <laughs> you know, you know, it it just it adds to that air of um, you know uh, what's the phrase that I'm looking for, uh, like a a, a shared. Uh, issue. 
experience. Right? Just something, shared experience of some kind, you know, negative experience. Uh, it, it bonds people together. Absolutely. Having, having to smell Johnny after his marathon. Yeah. Well, I know what you're saying because as I've been working from home for the last eight weeks or whatever, I spend half the day on Zoom calls and, and it is not the same as working in the same room as the small team that I work with. It's just, it's just there's something about it that doesn't seem as efficient or work quite as well. Oh, and I'm, yeah. I am anxious to get back to the office, to be honest with you. I may never go back to the office the same way full time that I used to, I feel like, but I definitely don't want to be 100% working from home from here on in. And it just, it doesn't work as well for me. So I hear what you're yeah. saying. Get those guys in a room and let them finish it off when it's appropriate. Yeah. And uh, pro tip, if you can't smell your coworkers, you're the one that smells. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Good. All right. One other item here to talk about, and that is that uh, Skybound is releasing The Walking Dead colon The Alien on hardcover very soon. Oh, they probably mean illegal alien or somebody from not here rather than actual aliens. Well, this is something that was released back in 2016, Jason, a comic. So this is not a new thing. It's just a new format. Uh-huh. It was... It is a comic written not by Robert Kirkman, by Brian K. Vaughn, and illustrated by a guy named Marcos Martin. And this story tells the story of Jeffrey Grimes, brother to Rick Grimes, as he deals with the zombie outbreak in Spain. So Rick's brother was in Spain when it all went down, and they put out a comic four years ago, which I've read, and it's fine. I enjoyed it. Um, but now they are putting it out an actual hardcover of it and it is going to be released on July 29th in comic book shops and August 4th in bookstores. And apparently everyone, it will include never before seen designs and sketches. So, uh, it's worth your, your money, I would say. Cool. And I think it's, uh, is it a coincidence that, uh, Rick Grimes' brother's name is Jeff and my brother's name is Jeff? Is that a coincidence? I mean, it probably is, but you really never know. I think you've mentioned your brother on here before. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm not, not making that up. It's his, his name is Jeff. Yeah, I know. Well, well, sort of. <laughs> his middle name is Jeff, but he goes by Jeff. His first name is Ron, but he goes by Jeff. Ron has always gone by Jeff. Oh, interesting. Ron Jeff Miles. Ronald Jeff Ron, Miles. Ronald, yeah, Ronald Jeffrey Miles. Oh, that's a, it's a solid name. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Walking The Walking Dead, The Alien will be out in hardcover if you're looking for it. I'm sure you can get it at your local comic shop or bookstore or online retailer. So uh, look for that. I will probably pick that up because I'm a little bit of a completist and I have all of the other Walking Dead hardcover books. And I feel like I need this one too. Good. Good man. All right. That's it for the news, Jason. And basically that's it for The Walking Dead uh, coverage on this episode of the podcast, but we are not entirely done with zombies. We are now going to talk about Japanese movie, One Cut of the Dead. Now, mm-hmm. I will I will just say I'd heard of this movie originally when I listened to another podcast where the host mentioned it, and he really liked it, and he said you should check it out. And that was basically it. And then I thought, you know what, that sounds interesting. But then I sort of never got around to it. So, you know, it just wasn't really on my radar for a while. 
until a couple of weeks ago where it popped up somewhere and I thought, you know what, we should watch this and then talk about it on the podcast. So why don't we do that? And here we are. Here we are. It's happening. So as usual, everyone, we will be spoiling the movie. Um, We always spoil things when we review things, but before we spoil anything, I have a few things I want to say. Number one, I recommend everybody watch this movie. I really do. I enjoyed it a lot. All right. Number two, don't watch any trailers or read anything about it. Just go and watch the movie. And number three. And, and stop watching and stop listening to this podcast. Hold on. Number three, give this movie some time. I don't want to hear about anybody who watched the first 10 minutes and was like, you know what? This movie isn't for me. I'm going to go watch more episodes of The Masked Fucking Singer or something and never the go back what to now? it. The uh, I just popped into the Masked Singer. It's a show that's on where people sing and they wear masks, and people have to guess who they really are. Uh, I saw <laughs> that's Bil- a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. I saw a billboard for it. But, oh man! But my point is, give this movie some time. And and the fourth thing, which I didn't write down, but I just occurred occurred to me, is pay attention. Pay attention to this movie. It will reward you. So, having said all that, Jason. Any comments on anything I said or anything you want to say non-spoilery before we really get into it? Uh, yeah. If you haven't, if you do want to see this movie, stop listening to this podcast and go watch the movie. I 100% agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anything about those sort of four points I made? No. Okay. Not really. I think they're pretty solid points. Okay, cool. Spoiler warning for One Cut of the Dead now. After this, we will be spoiling it. And as you said, this is one of those times where... I think you really actually should stop the podcast, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the rest of it here. Uh, if you have even the tiniest bit of curiosity about this film, go do that, and we'll wait. We'll be here when you get back, and then you can continue listening. All yeah. right. <laughs> Spoiler warning for One Cut of the Dead over. All right, so One Cut of the Dead, Jason. Um, I find it difficult to... Or at least when I was thinking about what to say about this, I was I found it a little bit difficult to even talk about the movie because a big part of me doesn't want to talk about it in any way that will give it away. Um, but we're going to anyways. And so what I can say is that this is a film about a bunch of people who are making a zombie movie. So there's a movie within a movie. And then real zombies attack the film crew and the set. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, To expand on that, and this is where we're really going to get into things, is that the movie is organized into three very distinct acts. Like, there are three clear act one. Act one, two, three in this movie is very clear. So, act number one is one cut of the dead. It's the zombie film. Act number two... Go ahead. And it's one cut. Like, it's a continuous shot. It is. One continuous shot. Act number two, which is roughly the second 30 minutes of the film, is a month before leading up to the filming of the film within a film called One Cut of the Dead. (laughs) Yep. Act three is what really happened. (laughs) 
Right. And you're still being cagey. We've, we've put up spoiler warnings about this, <laughs> uh, left, right, and center, and you're still being cagey. I know. I can't help it. I almost don't want to give it away, but, I, you know, I can't help it. So One Cut of the Dead, Act 1, leading up to One Cut of the Dead is Act 2, and what really happened is Act 3. So yeah. tell me what you thought of the movie, Jason. I had a hard time with this movie. So at first... Uh, <laughs> It was a little too cheeseball. the The first act was a little too cheeseball for me. I was like, okay, I don't like this. I thought I thought it was kind of cheap and uh, annoying. And then act two, and then it ended, and I'm like, what? We're only like, uh, we're not we're, even halfway through the runtime here. What's going on? Like Thirty yeah. minutes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And then it cut to a month before, and they started talking about it. And I started getting, uh, so I think overall, I think your advice on the top of this discussion where you have to watch the movie and let it sit with you. I watched the movie two days ago and I'm liking mm -hmm. it more and more as time goes on. Uh, when I first saw it, the first act, I wasn't on board, but by the end of the third act, I was like, okay, that was interesting. And now it's been two days. I'm like, hey, okay, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I watched it twice in the last two nights because I watched it two days ago as well, not knowing anything about it. And I had a similar experience to you. I, I can't say I disliked the first 30 minutes, but it, to me it was, you know what, this seems like sort of a low budget, kind of goofy, cheesy zombie film. But then it ends and you get the, the lead up to it and then kind of the behind-the-scenes version yeah. of it, right? And at the end of it, that first watch-through, I thought, you know what? That was actually pretty great. It was, an, an, there was a huge level of creativity and cleverness that I think went into this film. Um, I also thought it was probably rather difficult to make, in a way, uh, to show us the movie they were making and then show us how they made it. Um, I didn't have so a chance to go and compare the shots. Were they like, were, were both, were both filming versions done at the same time or were they two different takes? No, I'm pretty sure it was done separately, two different times. Now it was done really right. well. Like you wouldn't know that it was shot twice, basically. Um, but, but, but by the end of it, I thought, you know what, that was really great. I really respect the, the cleverness that went into the, making this movie because it really works. So I, I went to my wife and said, hey, you got to, I know you don't feel like watching zombie movies very much anymore, but you got to check this out. So we watched it again last yeah. night and um, she really liked it too, but she had a similar experience. Sort of, it goes on 30 minutes in, credits roll. And she's like, Wait, what's going on? That didn't feel like an hour and a half. I'm like, no. It didn't. <laughs> and then, and she started talking about that scene where, um, the, our main character is, is hiding in a shed and some zombie legs walk up and you only see the legs. Right. right? And then, uh, uh, she covers her mouth in fear. And my wife said, so they're not going to explain what the legs were, were like, what, what the hell? I don't, I don't get it. Uh, you know, I, that's, they left that out. I, I feel betrayed by that. And then, of course, it all became clear, and you find out later what was going on when they show you the behind the scenes. Um, and so, Christina really ended up liking it too. And the second viewing for me, I thought, was even better because I picked up on more of the personal story a little bit of the director and his family and kind of what it meant 
to him, the way they, they finished the movie. And uh, so it was even better for me the second right. time. Well, it's good. And I, I really loved it. Yeah. Um, but when you were watching the first run yes. through um, of the movie, the first 30 minutes, and you were saying it was sort of cheesy, my thought process at times was you, you can sort of feel that something is off here, that something is wrong. You don't know exactly why. There's a shot where uh, the main character is watching something happen, but the camera focuses on her while she's yes. screaming Yeah, on the roof. And it goes on forever. And you're like, wow, they, they really, for some reason, aren't showing us what's happening behind the camera. And the screaming is just getting ridiculous. And you think, this isn't right. There's something wrong here. But you can't put your finger on it until you see the right. third act where you see all the behind the scenes and you understand what's going on and you understand that this film shoot is chaos and they're just trying to hold it all together. The first viewing <laughs> of that, recognizing that it was uh, a one or a one shot, uh, when they were focusing on stuff like that, I was, uh, and even other things like somebody went off a roof or somebody was off screen doing something else, uh, you know, my thought process was, well, they're obviously you know, slapping on makeup, doing a, a a costume change or getting into position like they went off the roof, but now they have to move all the mats out of the way or something like that uh, in order to get the shot that they wanted. I just thought that that was part of the actual movie. Uh, I thought uh -huh. that, that was part of it. was like, okay, well, that's that's why I didn't necessarily like it and thought it was a little cheese ball because I recognized that they're obviously doing something in order to have something happen off screen in order to have it appear as if it's natural, even though it's obviously not. Uh, I just thought that yeah. that was not part of the movie. Uh, what was happening off screen, it was, you know, the costume changes, the makeup changes, uh, whatever setting changes. Mm -hmm. uh, but then in the third act, it was all being explained and that was excellent. Yeah. And the, the payoff is worth it. Is, is basically what it comes down yeah. to, I think. When you're shown really what's happening, you're like, oh, now I get it. It makes total sense. And that's one of the most clever things about this film is that they were able to make this 30-minute zombie film in one take and have it feel very, you know, really genuine in one way, but also just a little bit off to hint at you that something is going on behind the scenes here. And then they're able to show us the third act, which is the same film, but we see all the behind the scenes. Instead of, instead of just seeing the, the woman on the roof screaming while something happens behind the camera, we now see, you know, one layer removed of another camera and we see what's going on behind the scenes. We see the making of, yeah, in a way. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and, it, and I, I loved it. I loved all of that stuff. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, so yeah, so that, that's the basic con concept of the movie is that the, so the middle third is where they're not making the film is the lead up to it. And that's kind of where you get the background of all the people that are working on it, right? You get the background of the director, his story about how he's, he's not a great director. He just kind of makes a living at it. I think at one point he says, you know what you get with me? You get what is it? Uh, cheap, um, right. cheap and average. Uh, yeah, but it else was in there. Uh, cheap, fast, and average. 
Right. Cheap, fast and average. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and but, you know, he's got a he's got a family he needs to support and whatever. He's got a wife who is a former actress, but couldn't really uh, couldn't really handle the business yeah. in a way. But then she ends up in the movie because someone else is in a car accident on the way there. Um, and, and all that stuff is really good for the characters, I think, because then when you see them making the film at the end, you kind of get them a little bit more. And at least I did. And you, you feel for them a little bit more. And, and it comes down to me, just them, this group of people all coming together to get the job done, get this movie made. It's a, it's a 30 minute, I, sh oh, I didn't say it's a 30 minute live broadcast in one take. So it's very high stress and no room for error. And of course, all kinds of things go wrong, but they handle it in this 30 minutes. So it's, it's amazing to watch them get it done, basically. It kind of reminded me, have you ever seen a movie called Noises Off, and, which was based on a, a play from the 80s? Uh, so the, the play itself, I've never seen the play. Uh, I love the movie and I'm going to get back to that in a second, but the play itself is, uh, it, I think it's a three act play from the early eighties where, uh, the first act is you see the play. The second act is they turn the set around and you see the play from backstage. And the third act is you see the play from the front stage again, and it just goes horribly wrong. It's a play about the theater. And the movie is mm -hmm. the same kind of thing. You, but it's 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 about a play that they're performing, but you see it from the front, you see it from behind, and then you see it from front again, and it just goes completely off the rails. And uh, there's different archetypes, theatrical archetypes, like the the person uh, that when something goes wrong on stage, they just go with it. They flow. Uh, they are able to articulate it and just kind of bring things back around. There's the type of actor or, or actress that is unable to handle the situation and they just kind of mumble and say, you know, random words. It's sort of like what I do. We just kind of go off on a tangent and then say random <laughs> things and you don't quite get out what you're trying to say for a very long time. Uh, and then there's the kind of actor that just steadfastly says their lines regardless of what's happening on, on the stage. Like, even if it goes completely mm -hmm. off the rails and it comes back to them, they will say their line, even though it, it right. makes no sense in the current context. Uh, <laughs> and the film itself is, uh, like, it's Carol Burnett, Michael Caine, uh, Christopher Reeves, John Ritter. Uh, it's, like, it's got a solid, kind of a sad now cast, but uh, it's it's really Really good, and I'm I haven't seen this movie since the early '90s, and I really want to watch it again. I would really like to yeah. see it. Yeah, you know what i I have seen Noises Off. I, it's been a while, but I I do remember seeing it, and I I liked it a lot. And that's a that's a good comparison. You know, it's it's about in this case the making of a of a play, a stage production, yeah. right? And you know, One Cut of the Dead is in a way about the making uh, and what it takes to get this. 30 minute live broadcast yeah. made and, and done. And it's, right? it's nice to see the behind the scenes or the making of, or something like that. Cause that's, I, I really enjoy that too. I've, you know, I've, as I said, for being a musician, I'm surprisingly un uninterested in music. I think more of uh, music is more of an event than a, a, a thing. Right. So I'd rather mm -hmm. play than listen. Uh, so being backstage, being part of the performance is, uh, is the best part of music for me. And the best concert I ever saw 
was uh, The Pursuit of Happiness, like from way back in the 90s. Uh, not a great band, <laughs> but uh, it was the best concert I ever saw because I was watching from one of the wings in the, uh, in the Sioux. I, somehow I managed to get backstage because I knew some people that worked at the uh, the concert venue. And I watched from the wings hearing their mix in their monitors. And they just had so much fun performing. And you could see mm-hmm. it and you could feel it. And you heard what they heard. And it felt like I was part of that, uh, of seeing that from the wings. And it was uh, absolutely phenomenal. And actually the writer of the play, Noises Off, uh, you know, that's where he got the inspiration. He watched a play from backstage and he's like, man, this is, this is more exciting. This is better than the play itself. So I got to write a play about yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That makes, I can see so that. Seeing, you know, uh, one cut of the dead, uh, you know, watching it just as a, as a, a, a one one cut, one shot kind of zombie film was kind of okay. But seeing it from the backstage, from the, the production and seeing it, uh, how the production was executed, was by far better than the actual performance. It, it was, but I, as a whole, this piece, yes. I think was, was really great. If they had just done the third act, that wouldn't have been good no. either because you don't have the setup, yes. right? Yeah. So, you know, sure. When I first watched it, first watched the first third or the first act, it was kind of cheese ball, but that all, you know, that was all paying into uh, what eventually mm-hmm. paid off. In the end. Yeah. hundred percent. It's also a, in my, I also found it in some ways a pretty funny film. Like the third act is, is funny in a way. Um, some of the stuff that happens with dummies and things like that and, uh, things they have to do, um, to, to keep it going, to just keep the thing going, you know, and, and get the shots they need. The, um, the one guy who gets really drunk and uh, is acting as one of the zombies is hilarious because there are parts where, you know, he's supposed to just kind of improvise the zombie himself as a zombie attacking someone, but, you know, he's way too close to them. The timing isn't right. And so he ends up doing these like bizarre arm (laughs) dance moves that just don't, they look completely ridiculous the first time you watch it. But again, during the third act, when you understand what's going on, you're like, okay, he's doing his best. He's just trying to not, you know, be too close to someone or whatever. And, uh, and I just found it hilarious at that point, some of that stuff that he was doing. Um, there are scenes where people, uh, fall down when they're running and they're not really supposed to fall down, things like that. Um, there's one shot, Jason, where somebody falls down and I think it was a real fall that they left in the movie. And I, and, and I was thinking about you and, and that kind of stuff that, you know, occasionally makes it into TV shows and movies and how you really don't like that. I don't like it when people get hurt. That's well, the, that's the a, Yeah. Yeah, I know. But this woman in this who falls down, um, she gets right up again and keeps running, but she goes down hard, really? man. Like her face bounces off the ground and I noticed it the first watch through and was, you know, watching for it the second time. But I thought that you might see that and go, Ooh, I think that was a real fall. And I don't like that. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. I'm glad I missed it. Cause I don't like that kind of thing. Yeah. No, I know. Um, but you know that it was, I moved on. It was okay, but uh, don't go watch it. If you think it might upset <laughs> you. Um, I guess, uh, 
the other thing, a couple other things I, I just wanted to say about this movie is I think the location was amazing. This old um, abandoned or no longer used water treatment yep. plant was a great location for like a small self-contained zombie yep. set. Zombie movie. The way they go in and out of the buildings and into other little sheds and then up on the roof a bunch, I thought it was really fantastic. So you know, if anyone actually wanted to make a zombie film, it's a good location. Uh, and then uh, just for me, so the, the the movie ends with a, you know, with our hero character murdering someone, being covered in blood, and then walking over to a pentagram. That's a pentagram, right? That star symbol that's been painted in blood on the roof of the building, which is apparently the, you know, the 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 curse that brought the dead back to life here and she walks and stands on it and the camera pans up to sort of a, a crane shot looking down at her but as we find out during the third act the crane gets broken so they have to <laughs> improvise and figure out how to do this shot to like cap the whole thing off and finish it off the way they yep. wanted to and so everybody involved gets together and builds a human pyramid that they climb up onto and the director is on top with his daughter on his shoulders and she's holding the camera up above her head looking down and they get the shot and, you know, everyone is ecstatic. Everyone is super yeah. happy. And I loved it. I thought it was really, really perfect the way, as I was talking before, all these people like come together to get this job done and they end up doing it by literally on each other's shoulders at the end in a human pyramid to get this shot. And I... I thought the I thought that ending of the whole movie was just really yeah. nice. It, it was it, it was good. It made, it made me love it even more. I couldn't help but have a huge smile on my face at that point when I was watching it. Um, so I think One Cut of the Dead was really really great. And if you've seen it, hopefully you have seen it. If you've listened to this uh, this whole thing up until this point, um, but I do also hope people took our advice off the beginning to go watch it and stuck mm -hmm. with it. Um, oh, I also thought it was funny that, uh, the, the, you know, we see the producers occasionally as the, as the movie goes on, they're like real producers or I guess the movie producers, I don't know, but they, they're sort of half paying attention, you know, at the very end, one of them is like, everything went perfectly. No trouble yeah, see, at that all. That was easy. She's, <laughs> she's totally clueless. Yeah, exactly. And then at one point a guy says, you know, we're not making art. It's just TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's, again, it all comes back into like how hard it is to get this done and how hard these people work. Yeah. So, you know, they are making art or they're doing something that is meaningful to them. One email here, it comes from Christopher in Lancashire, UK. He writes, I took the Jason approach to my viewing of this film. No trailers, no spoilers. In fact, I didn't even look at how long it was. So when the credits rolled at the end of the first act, I was sat in my chair thinking, what the fuck was that all about? The only clue I had to something more was when Shinatsu picked the axe up and said something like, an axe, lucky me. <laughs> uh, following the expositional second act, I was rolling around the floor for the final act. I thought it was brilliant, and yet I was never sure if all the apparent deaths were going to turn out to be stunts or if it was going to genuinely take a more sinister turn. The faces on the improvised crane in the final scene topped the whole thing off beautifully. 
All in all, a really enjoyable watch and a brilliant fresh take on a zombie slash horror film. I've since read that it's broken a record by achieving box office takings of 1,000 times its original budget. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, 1,000 times. That's amazing. And Christopher finishes with, anyway, a summary of the three acts. Act one. What? Act two. Ah! Act three. Brilliant. <laughs> and that's that essentially sums it all up there, but. Wow, a thousand times, eh? The yeah, budget? it was. Uh, I, I was just looking at it on Wikipedia. I think it was, uh, the the budget itself was twenty five thousand dollars U.S. and it raked in mm-hmm. like twenty seven million dollars U.S. Well, Jesus. congratulations to everybody involved. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a unique idea, and they pulled it off. Yeah, so, it re- that kind go. of thing reminds me of a uh, a maxim in photography of what makes a really good photograph, and it's on a scale. It's either um, you know a, the there's quality versus right place, right time, right? If you mm-hmm. uh, are a portrait photographer or a landscape photographer, you set up the shot, you take a long time to plan out the shot, you take the shot. Uh, if you don't get it right, you try again another day where it has the same kind of lighting that you want, or you happen to be some Joe Schmo with an Instacam, uh, you know, camera that you bought at a drugstore. Do they still have those? I don't even know. Uh, where you take a photograph (laughs) of, uh, you know, the first time aliens land on the earth. Like it can be a really shitty photograph, but if you get a really, you know, very kind of unique situation and you capture it on film, it's still a really good photograph. So it's it's yeah. right on that scale. So I think this kind of this kind of movie was uh, right concept, right place, right time. Uh, you know, unique idea, uh, and it just kind of it just kind of hits home. Uh, so you can make you know a hundred times or a thousand times or whatever their your initial budget is. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It 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 came out right at the right time. I I also want to mention that uh, if I mean I guess again you've probably seen it by now if you listen to this but if not uh it is available streaming on shutter which is amc's horror thriller streaming service which is available in canada and the u.s so um i don't know about outside of north america uh, but at least in those two countries it is available so it's fairly easy to get shutter has a free seven day trial so you could watch this movie for nothing if you canceled before the seven days Okay, stay tuned in a minute for uh, to hear what we are going to be doing next time on the podcast. But before that, I just want to send out a quick couple of thank yous to people who have supported us here. And that would be Gary P. and Paul N., who made generous contributions via PayPal to the podcast. If you would like to join them in doing that, you can do so by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. That allows you to make a one-time contribution. Thanks so much to you guys for doing that and to everyone else who has in the past. Um, And also, you can also join our Patreon page by going to patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, which means you can make a small monthly pledge uh, for as little or as much as you want. And the nice thing about that is is it'll just keep going until you cancel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you don't even have to think about it. And, And it it... Well, you know, everything collected, we really, really appreciate. And it goes into the, the hosting and the equipment and the costs involved with putting on the show here. Uh, so, like I said, we very much appreciate everyone who does that. But during these times, and really any time, you know, we certainly don't expect it. 
and the podcast will always be free in every other way. So if now is not the time for you to make that kind of contribution, then uh, maybe just head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to us and leave us a star rating. Ideally, a, a great one, a five-star rating, but that is a wonderful way to help the show as well. And we appreciate everyone who does that too. Okay, so next week, well, next time on the podcast, Jason, we are going to do another actor spotlight of a Walking Dead actor. We haven't done this it's in a been while. It's a long time. It has. So there were a few to choose from, but we decided that uh, we were going to do a character that is currently, for now, still alive on the show. <laughs> yeah. And that is Ryan Hurst, who plays Beta. Yeah. Uh, th this was, this was your choice, which is fine. You are more familiar with his previous work than I am. Um, I'm not sure I'd ever seen him in anything actually before The Walking Dead. So that's cool. I'm looking forward to watching some stuff. Here is what we will be watching from Ryan Hurst's back catalog. His first ever credit on IMDb. <laughs> he was on Saved by the Bell, The New Class. We're going to be watching season one, episode two of that show called The Slumber Party. Yeah, I've never watched a full episode of Saved by the Bell. I watched the original Saved by the Bell a Did whole you? bunch, actually. Okay, we'll but, get into that. Yeah, but I... <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago, but yes, I did see some of that. Uh, I never saw the new class. I never saw the college years. I, I don't know if there were other spinoffs from the show, but... Um, Ryan Hurst, first ever credit, season one, episode two, The Slumber Party of Saved by the Bell, the new class. It is available to watch for viewers in the United States on NBC.com. The whole thing is there to stream, so check that out. If you are somewhere else, sadly, I'm not sure how you're going to get it, but uh, maybe it's available on some other streaming services or purchasable somewhere if you want to follow along. Uh, or I mean, use a proxy into the States. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. That may or may not work. Uh, so that's the first one. We're also going to watch an episode of Medium, another show I've never seen before, but we are going to check out season three, episode 18, which is called 1-900-LUCKY. Yeah. It's a good title. Not sure what it means, but I'll find out when we, when I check it out. We're going to watch Sons of Anarchy, season four, episode 11, called Call of Duty. Looking forward to that because I've only ever watched a single episode of Sons of Anarchy. Was that before, part of a and it was, was that pilot. a part of an actor spotlight, or did you watch the pilot and then just say "fuck this shit"? That's a really good question. Um, I think maybe we just watched it and then never went back to it. But why would I we do that? Because I remember watching I can't that. Say that because, for sure. Anyway, if anybody remembers, if we watched the pilot of Sons of Anarchy for this podcast. Let us know, because I don't recall. But it, it seems yeah. some, like something we did, but I don't know why. It, well, is like, um, I don't know, is somebody else in it that... that I, I'd uh, have to do research. I don't know. Is relevant? I'm, I'm thinking Abraham. Is he in? Was he in Sons of Anarchy? Not as a regular. Might have been in the pilot. Okay. All right. Maybe I just watched it on my own and decided to not continue. I don't know. Anyways... That'll be season four, episode 11, Call of Duty of Sons of Anarchy. And finally, a, a film from 2004 called The Lady Killers, which stars Tom Hanks in the lead role, but also Ryan Hurst is in there somewhere. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't seen any of these before, which uh, I prefer 
and I think will yeah. be fun. Now, that is going to come in two weeks' time, um, just to give us a little more time to watch all of these things. So, sadly, there will be no podcast next week. I hope uh, that is okay with everyone, but we'll definitely be back in two weeks' time to do our Ryan Hurst Actor Spotlight. Um, so please stick with us and, uh, don't forget there won't be one next week, but, uh, in the meantime, of course, if there's anything you want us to cover, you can, you're welcome to make suggestions of movies or, or TV shows or whatever, um, for future episodes, because as we go through the summer here with Walking Dead shows being pushed back, uh, you know, I'd love to watch some new things and talk, talk about them here. So if there's something you want us to cover, I will certainly consider anything, um, but send in some requests and we'll, we'll see what we can get to. Now, how would people send in such requests, Jason? I know you're wondering. I, I do wonder, Chris, if, uh, if you know of a way, Chris, let us know. I know it's, it's a difficult question and, you know, I wasn't sure there was a way to do it, but I did some digging and I discovered that we have a website and it's talkingdeadpodcast.com. That's how websites are made, eh? You wish and you hope and you dream and then you look for one and all of a sudden you have a website. There it is. It just comes out of your hopes and That's dreams. Right. <laughs> Talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top. You can send us a message via your computer or phone that way. The voice memo app on your phone is also a great way to send us an audio message. And then if you do that, you are going to want to email that file to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That'll come to me. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook if you want at facebook.com slash the talking dead. You can send us messages on Facebook, but I must admit, I'm not very good at picking them up. I, uh, I do check it, but you know how it is. It's, uh, it, it gets away from me sometimes. So, um, the most reliable way is to send an email, uh, but I will check everywhere as, you know, as I can. So, uh, those are the way to contact us. Make sure you tune in in two weeks for our Ryan Hurst Actor Spotlight. And obviously, welcome, welcome any comments on that. If you watch any of these things that we're going to check out for Ryan, uh, send us your thoughts on those. Get as much of that on the show as we can. And uh, we'll see what comes after that. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.